Welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram and TikTok at You the Mother, and be sure to check out the blog over at youthemother.com or reach out to work with me one-on-one. Sign up for the email list over on the website too, because our support groups are going to be opening soon. I'm so excited and I so believe in the power of community. So you will definitely want to join. In today's episode, I'm welcoming on Dr. Sierra Reardon to talk about our nether regions and the different changes and challenges you may have experienced after the gift of motherhood. Sarah is a doctor of physical therapy, a board certified women's health and pelvic floor therapist, and mom of two. Sarah talks with us about how pregnancy and childbirth affect our pelvic floor muscles, different challenges we might encounter as a result, and some things we can do to improve these postpartum challenges. Sarah is saving the world one vagina at a time over on her Instagram page at the.vagina.whisperer, or you can head over to her website, thevaginawhisperer.com, where she has blogs, resources, a membership community, free guides, and more. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Sarah, welcome to You the Mother podcast. I'm so excited that you are joining us here today because I think we get really embarrassed talking about our lady bits, but these are important conversations to be having. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. And tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Sarah Reardon. I am a pelvic floor physical therapist. I live in New Orleans um, where I was born and raised and left for a while and came back. About five years ago, after having my two boys, and I started a physical therapy clinic here, and I started an Instagram account called The Vagina Whisperer, where I share a ton of tips about your pelvic floor in general, but a lot based on pregnancy and childbirth and postpartum recovery. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts about your Instagram is when you dress up as a vagina or a vulva. (laughs) Yes, I know. When I hit 10,000 followers, you know... Four years ago, my yeah, my yeah. twin sister, I have a twin sister, and she was like, we've got to do something big. So we ordered that, <laughs> and it's been a hit. And who would have known it that was the hit. best $100 investment I made for the Instagram account. So it's really fun. <laughs> I love that. I love that. How many kids do you have? I have two boys. They are currently five and seven. Yeah. Are they, how do they feel when you dress up as the vulva? Well, they think it's a hot dog costume. So they're do like, they? <laughs> so I have a ton of pictures of them inappropriate, like sticking their heads through it or, you know, wearing it or laying in it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these pictures are going to haunt them later on. But, um, I do You'll have to wear it to their wedding. I know, or right? Or just silly. show college move in day, show their, those photos of them. But, you know, I think what my kids are is, or what I hope for, is they're pretty comfortable talking about their bodies. Yeah, we call things yeah. penis or vulva or vagina, and they ask me questions like, what is this for? Why do I have this and you have this? And ultimately what I want is just the ability to ask questions and open conversation and communication yeah. for them. So, so important, especially for child safety. So important. Right, right. So Sarah, let's get into, I guess, talking about our down there's. 
So many things happen once we have children. So many. (laughs) So many. So let's kind of like, I guess, walk through what happens down there. What can we expect? And when are things, I guess, looking like, hey, maybe we need to get this looked at. This isn't quote unquote normal. Um, What goes on down there? So I think it's really helpful to start during pregnancy because that's really when our bodies start to change so drastically. Mm -hmm. And I share all of this not to scare anyone, but I also think it's really important to understand how much of a huge transformation our bodies go through, but also why it's so important to get kind of proactively go to pelvic floor physical therapy either during pregnancy and definitely after just because the changes themselves um, happen to everyone. So during pregnancy, your pelvic floor, which is kind of like a basket of muscles that sit at the bottom of your pelvis, those muscles have the openings that help urine exit, help poop exit, and also where babies are born for vaginal birth. And then they also help support your pelvic organs. So during pregnancy, this pelvic floor hammock of muscles supports a growing fetus. So you can imagine over the course of pregnancy, as the fetus gets bigger and bigger, that muscle stretches and lengthens and tends to just get a little bit weaker naturally, which is why you often may experience some leakage during coughing or sneezing or throwing up during pregnancy, because pregnancy itself changes the pelvic floor. So regardless of whether you have a vaginal cesarean birth, if you've been pregnant at any stage, you've had changes under, changes happen. Then during childbirth, if you have a cesarean birth, you have, you know, um, a major abdominal surgery through your abdominal wall, which can result in scar tissue, abdominal muscle weakness, and then pelvic floor rise, you can have weakness from pushing for a long time or from a perineal tear, which Mm -hmm. is common in most vaginal births. So again, in childbirth, we see another area where changes happen. And then when we go to postpartum, it's like your body's been through you know, 10 months of pregnancy, then the sprint of childbirth. And then we just go home and there's, you know, with a thumbs up and a baby and they're like, everything looks good. Yeah. (laughs) Can you walk? Okay. You can go. And you're like, well, wait, what? And and so I, I it's like a drive-through nowadays. It's it's, nuts. And most people don't even like, you know, get the the courtesy, you know, of like, Hey, let me know if you need anything else. So I think that, you know, I really encourage all postpartum moms, to go see a pelvic floor therapist. So we typically start seeing people around four to six weeks postpartum. And it's not dissimilar to your postpartum checkup with a midwife or OB where you, Mm. you know, we look at your abdominal wall for separation, for scar tissue around your scar or restriction. We'll do a pelvic floor assessment to check for strength, for weakness, for prolapse, for scar tissue, and just give you a roadmap of stretches or exercises you need to be doing you know, what to do if sex is painful, what to do if you're leaking, if you have hemorrhoids or constipation, and then, you know, work with you every week, every other week, or even sometimes just one or two sessions to help your body recover after a pretty major transformation. Right. It is a pretty big transformation. So let's kind of talk, let's kind of, I guess, break down some of these different things that can happen, right? And let's maybe start with leaking. I feel like a lot of women experience leaking postpartum, or maybe it starts when you are pregnant. Um, (laughs) I can kind of like giggle and laugh about myself who's had four vaginal deliveries. And I, if I sneeze or cough hard, 
I'm crossing my legs. Right. I'm like stopping, I'm crossing, I'm coughing, and then I continue walking. Right, right. right. Um, so I guess like how normal is this? And is there anything that we can do to improve these things? Absolutely. So it's definitely common. I think that, right. you know, there's a large percentage of people who experience it during pregnancy mm-hmm. and postpartum. What I would say is the research shows if you experience urinary leakage or what we call incontinence mm-hmm. during pregnancy, you have a higher chance of having it postpartum. And yeah. if you are leaking at three months postpartum, you have a high chance of still leaking at 12 months postpartum. So those are kind of indicators that I tell people so that if you're leaking during pregnancy, you don't have to wait to go see a pelvic floor therapist until afterwards. You can go ahead and learn what changes you can make. You can start strengthening your pelvic floor and be on kind of the proactive side so that on the postpartum side, you kind of know what to do. Or if at six weeks or 12 weeks postpartum you're leaking, I would, again, go ahead and start seeing a pelvic floor therapist because if you just think you're going to wait it out, it may not get better. And sometimes it gets worse if you're breastfeeding or if you have another pregnancy thereafter or multiple pregnancies and births. So, you know, I tell people this, like if we had an ankle sprain, you wouldn't just keep walking on it and hope that it gets better. You'd probably see a physical therapist to help you rehab and strengthen and and get back to doing the things you want to do without pain. Yeah, no, that's a really good analogy. You know, I don't I just think as moms, we like put ourselves at the bottom of the list. And so we are going to these important appointments for ourselves, but it is so, so important. um, One thing I'll add too, is that if you're six months postpartum, six years postpartum, it's never too late. For me personally, my kids were you know, two under two years old. And so I felt Mm -hmm. like I was in the trenches for a really long time. And I didn't even go see a pelvic floor therapist for myself until I was like 18 months postpartum. So that's okay if it takes you time to get there, but just go ahead and take the step if you feel like you need it at any point. It's never too late. Yeah. Are these changes, like, I guess that happen, especially, you know, like when we're talking about leaking, I think that these changes can also happen later, yep. right? Like this isn't just for pregnancy, postpartum women. No, not at all. I mean, there's uh, hormones definitely play a role. Mm-hmm. So we see as women yeah. are aging and, you know, I'm 40 and I have two small right. kids. I think oftentimes now we're going from having kids to like going into early menopause because right. we're having kids later in life. Later, yeah. So yeah, hormonal changes, changes in estrogen and progesterone, they all can affect kind of how um, plump and, and strong your pelvic floor muscles are or your pelvic floor tissues are. And those changes can also lead to incontinence as you get older or with aging. So another really great reason to kind of be proactive and strengthen right. your pelvic floor, even with aging, instead of kind of waiting for things to happen and then feel like it's too late. Mm-hmm. And when we like talk about, I guess, strengthening our pelvic floor, I think that we're so used to hearing Kegels, right? Yeah. You just do your Kegels. You stand in the grocery store line and just do your Kegels. Right. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, pelvic floor therapy is a lot more than just Kegels. It's so much more than just Kegels. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, we've been, I remember reading Cosmo magazine and Seventeen magazine growing up and it was like, (laughs) Do your Kegels. Just do your, do your Kegels. Kegels. <laughs> I think there's two important things about this is that one, oftentimes people are not doing Kegels correctly. That there was yeah. a research study that came out that if 50, you know, 
you know, a hundred people were given a brochure or said, go ahead, go ahead and do your Kegels. Half of those people would be doing them incorrectly. And half of those people would be doing the wrong exercise that would actually make their pelvic floor muscles even weaker. So we really need guidance on how to perform these correctly. The other thing is some people have pelvic floor tension. So we've never really been educated that some muscles are weak, but some muscles are too tense and you can have leakage and have tension or you can have, um, I'm sorry, you can have, yes. And you can have, you know, um, tense pelvic floor muscles. And if you're doing Kegels, that could actually make the tension worse. Worse, So seeing a pelvic floor PT in person or knowing which you have weakness or tension is really how, you know, you need to, to do the proper avenue of, um, therapy. So if you have tension, you really want to work on lengthening and relaxing the muscles first and then doing strengthening. But if you just go ahead and do Kegels and you've got tight muscles, it's only going to make the leakage worse. Seventeen Magazine and Cosmo really did us wrong. <laughs> well, and they also like you know? gave this narrative of like, we need to all you have tight vaginas. And, True. You know, when it's, yeah. so it's, it kind of goes way back. And the same narrative of like leaking as a lady's normal when you're a mom, you know. And I think right. that we're really trying to kind of change those narratives and really give people more informed options as to how they can take care of their bodies. Yeah. And I think another one that like can be thrown in this bucket is painful sex. You know, I think there's a lot of women who probably are listening to this podcast who reach out to me over in my DMs on Instagram who talk about my sex life is not as great as it was pre-children, right? Um, Now postpartum, it hurts. I don't want to have sex because it's not pleasurable for me anymore, Duh. Um, and that it's like now seen as normal, right? And yeah. I'm like air quoting normal that now it's painful, but this isn't normal. Correct. And what can women be doing, I guess, to not have painful sex postpartum? Right. I mean, I think that there are so many barriers to wanting to have sex yeah. postpartum. It's fatigue, yes, it's childcare, it's sleep deprivation, it's partner <laughs> resentment. Like we don't need definitely. another reason to not want to have sex. <laughs> It's body changes. That is so true. We do not need another reason. (laughs) But I think that pain is something that we've kind of told ourselves could be normal to deal with, whether it's the first time you're having sex when you're becoming sexually active or whether it's, you know, after having kids. So um, it's not uncommon. So the research shows that nine out of 10 people have pain with sex the first time they have sex after giving birth. Mm -hmm. But there are some things you can do to help. And if those things don't help, I would definitely check in with a ther- a pelvic floor therapist. So yeah. I tell people to automatically use a lubricant. So yeah. you want to, I use a water-soluble lubricant called Slippery Stuff. You want to make sure that the lubricant's not irritating, that it doesn't like tingle or sparkle or glitter. It should just be like a boring old lube. Yeah. And that's not to say that you you know, are not wet enough for your partner, but you typically have vaginal dryness after birth if you're breastfeeding or lactating because your estrogen levels are lower and that causes vaginal Mm -hmm. dryness. So that's, you know, use a lubricant. Um, I would, you know, you may have some scar tissue from your scar restriction from your cesarean scar or your perineal tear. Either of those could cause pain within a course. So doing a little work to soften your scar, working with a pelvic PT to soften your scar can help or tense pelvic floor muscles. I know for myself, I get, if I'm tense or stressed, I get a lot of tension in my neck and shoulders and that gives me headaches. 
Well, the same thing can happen in your pelvic floor muscles where you hold your tension by clenching your glutes or you had a, you know, a birth injury that causes tension down there, or that's just where you hold tension is in your hips and pelvis. So doing some stretches, um, you know, working with a therapist to do internal massage to those muscles can all help take away tension that can help minimize pain with sex. But there's definitely help. And I don't think that, I mean, I've worked with someone who had pain with sex for 11 months and I saw her three times and it completely went away. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really going to see somebody sooner than later can, can definitely help. Yeah, ladies, make the call. I know, I know. <laughs> make the call. And it can know, really be it's so important so quickly. And it's, yeah. um, but we don't even realize that that's not normal because we don't really talk about these things. Which is such a shame. You know, I just, I feel like there's so much in motherhood that is so isolating and lonely. Yeah. And we have to have these conversations because there is a better way. You know, there is help. There is a resolve, you know, and... Like you said, we do not need one more reason to not have a sex life, right? <laughs> Just like, oh my gosh, going back to like those postpartum days, like ladies, if you are in it, it's rough. It's rough. And we've been there. It's rough. And we've I, been there. And I think something too is to also give yourself some grace. I mean, I think right. when we go see our medical providers at six weeks postpartum, you get this <laughs> thumbs up to return to sex. And I'm like whoa, I don't need that pressure right now. Like I'm still bleeding. I'm like milk is everywhere. I'm barely sleeping or washing my hair. So I think some of it is like know that you're in a season that those seasons change as your kids Mm -hmm. get older, as you're, 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 you know, you feel like you can have a little bit more autonomy over your body. So, so take the pressure off yourself. But if it's pain that's limiting you, there's definitely something that can help. So true. Thumbs up at the six week postpartum. I had fits like since I've had this platform. And I remember like my six week postpartum visit, like sitting in the uh, parking lot on my stories, like they're trying to talk to me about birth control. And I'm like, nope, (laughs) he's not coming anywhere near me. And just so many women in my DMs were like, yeah, absolutely not. Like, you're so tired. Tired. And I mean, I waited 12 weeks after my second. Right. I mean, we were not right. even sleeping in the same room. One <laughs> right. was with one kid. I was, And so it's like, like that's no just the way. reality of it. And it's yeah. knowing that it's okay. It's normal. It's, normal. it's okay. It's Everybody okay. returns when they're yeah. ready. And just yeah. it's okay to give yourself some grace. Yeah, I so agree. But I agree. Let's talk about prolapse. What is prolapse and what can we do for it? So these are all great topics that are, if you're experiencing them, we talked about leakage, we talked about painful sex. Those are all reasons to go see a pelvic floor PT. Prolapse is definitely another one. Prolapse is when that hammock of muscles that we talked about earlier is not supporting your pelvic organs as well. So it could be your bladder, it could be your uterus, it could be your rectum, which holds poop. So that hammock is just a little bit weaker than we would want. And it tends to feel like something's falling out of your vagina. It can Mm -hmm. feel like there's a bulge at the vaginal opening or that you have to strain to empty your bladder or strain to poop. So because those organs kind of aren't in the ideal position anymore because that hammock is a little bit weaker. So typically, some of the things that I tell people are to stop straining. So I see this a lot in moms as they push when they pee or they do what I call power peeing, and that is a no-no. When you pee, you should just be sitting, relaxing, taking some breaths, and your bladder really does the work to push the urine out. 
But oftentimes as moms, we're in such a hurry that we push when we pee to get it over with as quick as possible. But then that causes our muscles to be even weaker, which could lead to prolapse. And the same thing with constipation. If you have a hard time emptying your bowels, if you strain during bowel movements, that chronic straining or pushing could also lead to prolapse, which can weaken your muscles over time. Um, And then just lifting. If you are a heavy weightlifter, if you do CrossFit, if you don't have that pelvic floor strength to support the loads that you're asking your body to do, I see this a lot when people go back to exercise or running or weightlifting too soon after birth, that their muscles Mm -hmm. just aren't as strong as we need them to be to carry that load. And that ends up in prolapse as well. So, you know, stop straining, making sure that you get on a pelvic floor strengthening regimen. And then um, sometimes people need external support. That could be like a little a support garment. Some people even use Spanx. Some people use an internal um, device called a pessary. So there's definitely things you can use to help as you're doing your strengthening regimen. Yeah. And once like you start doing the strengthening regimen, does prolapse prolapse resolve itself? Um, So there's research to show that prolapse can improve one grade. So we grade a prolapse on a scale of zero to four and zero is no prolapse. Most people have around a grade one where there's a little bit of weakness there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that like something's falling out. Grade two is where the prolapse is like almost to the vaginal opening when you bear down and grade three or four where they are completely out of the vaginal opening. So grade three or four are it's recommended that you have surgery, but we yeah. still see patients for therapy before and after. But right. grades one and two, you can improve your prolapse an entire grade of strength um, by strengthening. With therapy. With yeah. therapy. So you can improve it. And then the biggest thing is you can prevent it from getting worse. So if you change your habits, it's I always say it's like a cavity. Like you can't fix a cavity and just stop right. brushing your teeth. Because people are like, do I need to do Kegels forever? And I'm like, well, it's, there's a hygiene, there's a maintenance that you have to do yeah. to kind of keep your muscle strong. Yeah. Just make sure that you go talk to your pelvic floor therapist on how to properly do your Kegels. Right, right. <laughs> Was the big takeaway that I got about Kegels today. <laughs> and I have Don't a, just do them how Cosmo says. I know. And I have a ton of videos on this too. Kind of yeah. even just like ways you can assess yourself with a mirror by inserting your finger internally and seeing so that yeah. you at least can identify a little bit of like, okay, am I, am I doing this properly or am I completely like off the mark and should just stop and check in with someone? Yeah. Sarah, was there any other, um, I guess, like issues with around like the postpartum pregnancy period that women should be going to check in with a pelvic floor therapist that I didn't touch on? Yeah, I think that there's two, and we touched on one shortly, but after a cesarean birth, I recommend everyone go see a pelvic PT. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, it's again, a major surgery, and I think that we just need a lot, those moms need a lot of help on working on their scars, which can cause Mm -hmm. bladder issues, constipation, painful sex. So we do a lot on cesarean scar massage and, you know, releasing that restriction around the scar. And then yeah. the other thing, which we didn't touch on, which people don't really relate to pelvic floor, but it's directly related, is diastasis recti, which yeah. is an abdominal separation at the midline of the abs. During pregnancy, this can look like a little football in the middle of your belly when you're like getting off the couch or getting out of bed. And then postpartum, it can look that way as well. Um, or it feels like you're, you can like put your fingers down towards your guts, like right around your belly button. So that separation 
it's really common during pregnancy because your abs are expanding and your body's trying to make room for baby. But what happens is it doesn't necessarily resolve on its own postpartum. So really working with moms to do a lot of core strengthening, Mm -hmm. managing their pressures by not straining with lifting or pooping or peeing, and really giving them guidance on kind of how to strengthen their abs without overdoing it and and really to help them make the diastasis better. Yeah. Um, Sarah, you have given us so many useful tips in today's episode. But you give even more information over on your platforms. Tell my listeners where they can find you. Sure. Um, so I am on Instagram as the.vagina.whisperer, which <laughs> I have to give credit to my girlfriends who gave me that name a decade ago. And it's just really taken off. But you can find me on Instagram at the Vagina Whisperer. And then my website is thevagwhisperer.com where I have an entire, you know, exercise platform for, you know, moms during every week of pregnancy, during every week of postpartum, on strengthening their pelvic floor, on strengthening postpartum, and then even on pelvic floor relaxation. If you have painful sex or tailbone pain or those folks who are tense or tight, but need to work on that before they go to strengthening. So kind of all the pelvic floor health education that you need. Perfect. Um, So be sure to go give Sarah a follow and check out all of her stuff over on her website. All of those will be linked in the description of this podcast. Sarah, thank you so much again for joining me and having this conversation because these conversations are so, so needed. And thank you for helping us find you, the mother. Thank you so much.